Hi guys, welcome to Shootcast, part two, episode one. If you haven't caught the first part of this series, please do. It's up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're continuing our conversation of the decade that was. So much to talk about this week. We're going to rekindle some of those great moments, look at some of the great players, and try and settle on a team of the decade. So much to talk about, so much to get through. Before we jump into the podcast, a big shout out to Modus Operandi Brewing for your continued support of the show. So without further ado... This is Shootcast. We're going to go into some categories. Um, Matches of the decade. What are some of the best games you've seen, Paul, throughout the last decade? It's hard to remember them all. Yeah. I've got a few, but have you written anything down there? I did. You said that, and I was, I was sitting there trawling. They all seem to merge into so a game comments. every week for, you know, 10 years. It's like, um, I mean, look, the, the, the grand finals stand out. Some we've touched on for different reasons. The North Uni because of North Sydney. Oh, well, Warringah versus North in 2016. That was uh, a cracking game. was a cracking game, but the the whole emotion behind that was obviously the tragic loss of Lachlan Ward that year and elder brother Sam um, being held aloft at the end with the trophy and the photo of his brother was just hard to hard We to haven't got a category a, for, for no. moment of the decade, but that's just the knockout winner. Nothing yeah. will come close to that. And that deserves its own podcast, that story. I'm, yeah. I'll have to talk to the Ringer guys about that. But, um, was, um, yeah, you're right. Hugely powerful, hugely significant. Yep moment yep. and just to be there and witness that was something incredible. I thought that the, the semi-final 2018 North Ringer at North Sydney Oval was a belter. Do you remember that one? In the rain on a Sunday. Really, yeah. The packs were just, the packs were giving it to each other. It was a knife-edge game. Could have gone either way and Rats just held on. Wasn't it a Miles Dorian field guy penalty? No, it was a penalty, I think, late that iced it. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was a howler. It was a terrible win. I was going to say the Eastwood Eastwood Uni final in 2000, just because it broke that Uni dominance at the time. There's nothing against Sydney Uni, but it was just, it was someone else winning a trophy and having Eastwood who hadn't been there for for 10 years maybe at that point, uh, since maybe uh, 1994, trying to think. Um, yep. Sorry, 2004. Uh, to see the number of Woods fans that turned up there uh, on that day, and it was it was a belting final. They really went toe to toe. They went to extra time, and I just remember the crowds, the, the queue to get in and out of the toilets because everyone was imbibing and enjoying the atmosphere. And that the, the there was queue snaking out the toilets, and everyone was just trying to get back in time to watch extra time. And then it was like the Pierre Ola penalty that won yeah. from memory. That was a just a belting game because it was just something different. That was a cracker. There was a new kid in town. Um, mm. I remember specifically 2010 semi-final uni played Souths um, for reasons I touched upon earlier with the, I think the Tamani brothers, uh, Radiki Samo, this, it was absolutely brutal. It was just, I think uni won 36-20, but Souths threw the yeah. kitchen sink at them. And I remember speaking yeah. to Tim Davison, the great uh, legendary uni captain afterwards. He said, that was the toughest game he'd ever played. He said he, he was bruised and battered for the week after. He says the most he's hurt after a game. The, the level of collisions in that semi-final was incredible. Mm. That sticks in my mm. head just because it was, again, because South were, were, were just emerged from nowhere and just had this side that were 
physically taking it to uni to such a level that that really sticks in yeah. my head. Um, I'll yeah. give one more, one more. Um, Penrith, we've said earlier, obviously finished bottom of the of the ladder round the competition. You know, struggled manfully through that decade, but there were some uh, highlights. And one in particular was it was a pretty dismal day down at Foreshore Park. And I'm guessing maybe 2012, 2013, Penrith went and beat Southern Districts at Foreshore Park in the rain by playing just perfect wet weather footy. Uh, they were picking and driving from the halfway line. I think Coach Matt Briggs just had him had him drill. And he, it wasn't it was a, wasn't a fantastic game, but yeah. when you're dreaming of you, you know one of the things I've tried to do over the years is try and give as much coverage to every team as possible. If a team's losing every week, it's kind of hard. Um, you're trying to promote you know, and try and push the, the positives. When you go and watch Penrith win at South, the feeling it was such a rarity, and to see those guys winning away, and then to be in the sheds afterwards and see them singing the song and it, that was that was just a real that sticks in my head as well because it was a rarity and it was such a shock out of the time. Yeah, absolutely. I, look, I agree with you. The grand finals that you've mentioned were terrific. Um, you know, the one game that does stick out for me was South against Uni at Uni 2014 semi final, and Ben Volavola kicked like a forty meter field yeah, goal from, from the, the sideline side yeah. to win it, put Uni out and South into the grand final. That yeah. was. That was, that was some game, that one. I think ABC's one of ABC's last games there. I think you've covered most of the guys. There's just been so many games, and obviously we haven't seen them all. And, and, you know, I know people have been treated to these games all over the, you know, all over the Shoot Shield's existence. I mean, games go on every Saturday at 3 o'clock somewhere in Sydney. There's probably some, some epic ones. But obviously I've seen the Manly Rats games have yeah, really, say, you know, definitely got, don't usually just, just got awesome. The last – but the last – it has to be said, I think since they started playing each other in the finals, like 17, 18, 19, these last three years have just been just huge crowds, a um, lot of passion. Fortunately for Manly Ring, it probably, you know, edged more than, than we did, but just just great games. I mean, 2017, I think uh, Ringer won their first game at Manly Oval in 10 years, um, and that was, uh, you, know, you know, great for them. And then Manly went up there and just before the finals uh, beat them at Rat Park and then we were treated to semi-finals but just just awesome it is it is a special day i know the rest of the competition probably do their heads in but it is a big crowd it is passionate and i think i think the it, it i mean good rivals you, you know cookie you're a tottenham fan i'm an arsenal fan that's oh, a pretty bitter it's a yeah. bitter rivalry like it's horrible relationship yeah i know i know but it's that <laughs> north london it's vicious if it yeah I mean, the Manly Oringa rivalry was really vicious, and it still is vicious. But it was tempered by probably the Rays. The, Rays, the boys yeah, got to I know see. the Rats, and it's become a bit more chummy. So it's 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 probably in the nicest place. Like it's still brutally hard on the field. You're still devastated if you lose it, but it's go and share a beer after. Where it was probably, you know, go whoever wins. F you have a beer, but I still hate him type thing. Now it's in a much more mature place. Maybe because the players are mature. I don't know. Maybe it needs to go back down the other spectrum, get in the gutter for a bit just to light it up. You know, I, it, but no, it's in a great spot. And, um, you know, it's, they've been some, some, some fantastic. Well, you've had games, quite a lot so. of cross pollination between the two teams, like coaches and players, which never used to happen that I, that I remember. Well, it's obviously happened historically, but it seems to be quite a bit of movement between the two. And that's maybe well. That's how it was originated, you know. That's a Tony Miller heading north. There has been the um, 
the odd player head up the pit water drain pipe towards the rats and vice versa. Now more, you know, a few more manly coaches gone up that way and, and had some success, obviously. So, no, it's it's uh, one of the other two great clubs, two really well supported clubs, and pretty much an existing community in, in one in one area of land. So look, we just hope that that keeps going because you know, despite everyone's grievances with it, it is good for the game, and um, I'm sure next year will be no different. So, there's some of the better match of the decade. Before we get into team of the decade, which which may take six hours um just gonna this podcast just mention i don't know it's a deep dive so <laughs> we like it's the first one just yeah. just here it fill oh, us out okay. i'm gonna go into some wtf moments i'm not gonna f-bomb on the podcast because no. as you said we want to get some um keep, keep everyone keen yeah um katoni ali's injury was an uh, it was an odd afternoon i mean that was one game that should have been abandoned i think there was like a 50 minute delay do you remember watching that I do, and I think we discussed, was that the first year of CRTV having the rights yeah. and it just went on and on and on and on and on and you're thinking, is this is this right? Because the players just didn't, I mean, I wasn't there, but the players just didn't seem like they wanted to carry on. It was such a shock to see what happened. Both sets of players yeah. were distressed by it. I think fans were distressed by it, but it kept going the, well, on. The, only, was, the only person was happy was the bar. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah they probably sold quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, I went down that it give the great man some privacy and it was a terrible injury one of the worst i've seen in the field but but it, it was just a bizarre one and mike Baird was in attendance and was then premier and there's no ambulance for like 30 minutes just one of those bizarre afternoons you're like i think we just have to call the game anyway it went on i think manly ended up winning i don't really remember but it's just a strange day moving the grand final for me it's just a massive wtf moment i just i still don't get it i can't understand it um, I'm all for um, the understanding that it, it was, you know, a Western Sydney thing. I, I totally respect that, but not like, you know, Western Sydney were ignored. I mean, we, we were at Concord for, for a long time, but we just had such great years at North Sydney Oval. I know there was some difficulties working with council and getting the event, which I totally understand. But anyway, I just felt like it was a, a bit of an odd choice and I don't think the crowd was as good as it could have been last year. Thoughts on, on moving the grand final so early after three great years at North Sydney Oval, Cookie? Well, I'm not across all the logistics or the reasons behind it, but just from a pure, mm. from, from a spectator's view, uh, as someone who just likes, who loves club rugby, whether I'm writing about it or not, I mean, North Sydney Oval worked generally. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But that doesn't mean you should never come up with an idea to, to move and broaden the game. So I'm all for taking the game out west and getting a footprint out west. Bank West Stadium is magnificent. I've been lucky it to go there for the grand yep. final. There have been a couple of Waratahs games out there. As, yep. a, as a media, no. a, a wannabe media yep. person, it's fantastic. The facilities yep. are great. However, if you've not got a crowd there and you've got four games, you're there at 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning and you're just watching a few people trickling, a few people trickle out. It just lost so much of what had been built over the three years before. Well, that's Whether what you try it again, I don't know. But um didn't seem to work last year, so I'll be interested to see what the decision is this time around. Yeah, not sure. Look, I'm with you, though. It is an unbelievable stadium. I'm not saying that. Bank West yeah. is magnificent. It's probably the best stadium I've been to in New South Wales. Like, it is stunning. But when it's not full, and I just felt like North Sydney Oval just captured what club rugby was all about, you know. It was a reunion for people in club rugby. Regardless of the teams that were playing, you'd be walking around the ground, you'll see someone you know. And it just it just just was I don't know. Anyway, I'll move on because I go on for hours about that. Um, another random one from the lower grades. I might get hate mail over this one because they're strong individuals. But um, the Gordon Greybeards, they were kicked out of the comp, a fourth grade comp. You, are you aware of the, aware of the Greybeard, the saga of the Greybeards? Cookie? I uh, sketchy memories, but you did enlighten me again the other day. But yeah, uh, far away. 
It's a great story. Well, they were uh, a fourth grade side, a very good fourth grade side, but they were very confident. I think they had a Facebook group and the, the headline thing, we are the Gordon Graybears, we will be the premiers of the fourth grade competition to start the season. Anyway, they pretty much pissed their way into the finals and um, they had a dead rubber. It was either against Manly or Manly was a beneficiary of the game. And they also had a Bucks party. And they either didn't show up because they were at the Bucks or they were too yeah. too drunk or still going too or just not life. available yeah. to too high on life <laughs> to front up for the game. So they were punted and there was no game. And then there was a big SMH article and a, and a legal fight and, uh, you know, th- threats were made and uh, it was a classic. I, I know there are some members out there of the Greybeards. I think that's a good one for another podcast, but it was bloody hilarious. At the time, probably wasn't hilarious, but I think a bit of their own hubris had built up and spilled over into <laughs> I think they maybe thought that they were just an instant qualifier, but they weren't anyway. Thank you to the Greybeards for giving us that wonderful um, moment. Okay, coach. Yeah. coach of the decade. This is going to be difficult. Okay. I mean, do you want to start this off or shall I? Uh, well, well, probably, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, okay. Honourable mentions. Okay, I'm going to say you could. I think oh, there's three. This, yep. There's three clear ones for me: John Menenti, Simon Cron, Robert Taylor. I By agree. dint of three, three grand finals for John, or four grand finals, three wins, premierships, minor premierships. Robert Taylor, what Robert's done the last two years is, is phenomenal, um, and probably well on the way to getting more silverware in the next few years if he stays around. If he doesn't move up, I'd be surprised if he doesn't move up the grades at some point. And what Chrono did was to take from a team from 11th to 1st in two years was sensational. Um, I would give it to John Menenti, again, based on the circumstances of what he was competing with in the first half of the decade with the overlap of Super Rugby and the fact they got the four minor premierships in a row, four grand finals and three wins. But I'd also give an honourable mention to guys like, if you look at the other end of the table, Glenn Christini, getting Parramatta to fifth in 2012 in the first finals of the 70s, two or three years after they nearly went under. And Matt Briggs uh, won 11 games in three years at Penrith and also got mm. West Harbour to fifth place in 2013 or 14. So there's, there's a lot of people who just honourable mention there, but for me, the coach of the decade, I would have to say, would be John Menenti. Can't disagree. Three titles just says it all. I mean... You're now coaching the Australian women's sevens, or is he head coach coaching? Yeah, head coach, yeah. He was with the guys for a while. Now he's head coach with the uh, the girls, doing a great job. Um, Rob Taylor, obviously, what he did with that, you know, young Colts group coming through at uni, awesome, and they've just become powerhouse again. Uh, oh, I I push Cron and Menenti into the into the highest mm. echelon. I just think what Cron did was quite staggering. I mean, Norse. They weren't traveling that well mid 2010s. And it's not just Cron. I understand, you know, coming from the from the administration side of the club, a lot of things go into clubs. It's not just a coach turnaround, club successes. And but but what Cronny did just from the outside looking was just amazing. And I think the good thing about Norse that time was Simon was able to put his whole philosophy on the club. I mean, I can't know because I wasn't there, but you know, from talking to him and from the perception you get, and I'm sure if we go on to this podcast and do some deeper explorations around clubs and 
good periods at clubs and that Norse period was just amazing and the way they played they just just the discipline and the consistency and no mistakes and just the belief you know 2016 they won the comp after that run and then 2017 Cronie went and coached the 20s I mean we talk about leadership but while he was away I think Norse went on this horrible run and lost seven on a row and they looked like they were gone and he came back and they made the grand final. Like probably if he doesn't go away, I mean, take nothing away from Ringer. They fully deserve that premiership. But if he doesn't go away and build throughout that whole year, I mean, potentially looking at back-to-back grand finals, potentially. I mean, you can't say he didn't because he didn't. And, you know, Darren Coleman deserves a big shout-out for what he did at Ringer and what he did at Gordon last year. Obviously, another another great coach. But for me, Cron pushes up that much, even though with that one title, it was just such a profound impact. Well, I think if you, if you add to that, and you'll know more about this with your involvement with the Rays, the Sydney Rays, North Harbour Rays, whatever Rays you want to yep. label yep. as. But the, the, they finished second from bottom. Or that I think Corono coached for one year in 2017, 16, 17, I can't remember. Wasn't it off the back of the grand final? Maybe 2016. Rays. Got into the semi final. 2016, the closest we went. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think he won more games that season than the Rays won every other year combined. Um, so to show that he, he was clearly a very, very good coach that was able to. The impressive thing was you can get a bind from a young group at Norse, but to then go and coach players like Matt Lucas or some of the Ringer boys, and they all seem to buy in too to what he's done to get Absolutely. to the semi-finals. It was really only injuries that crawled them in the semi-final. I think they lost to Perth Spirit. But, oh, they um, became a club side, unfortunately, by the end against Perth, who were just a you know a super rugby side. But, yeah, just awesome. And, you know, we were fortunate enough to be at his farewell. Um, yes. And uh, it was like a wake, wasn't it? <laughs> that he was that he was heading away. I mean, everyone was just disappointed. I think because and oh, another WTF moment. Like, how have we lost him? I just anyway, yeah. I won't get into it. But we shouldn't be losing quality like that. Just come through the shoot shield, just you know. And I think the Tars really, really dropped the ball there. Um, I don't think was, I've known, and that's not to denigrate anybody. I, I don't think because I got I got quite close. I was lucky to get quite close to that group at the time because I found it such a fascinating. You're always looking for a story, a narrative, mm. and to and he, and Crono was great because he gave me a lot of access, probably more than most coaches I've ever had, to, to show me the the things they are up to. And from a a guy who doesn't profess to be a, a, a rugby nose, as in I'd ever played to any great level, and I don't, I've never pretended with my writing that uh, to get into detail. I'm just somebody who observes and watches and loves it and wants to write about it and, and showcase those people within it. To to every conversation with Crono was like an education. His level of detail, mm. when you interview him after mm. a game, you'd say, okay, this try came off this scrum, this play, whatever. And he would go back like oh, yeah. six, seven, eight minutes, oh, yeah, well, that came off the bubble. And you'd be sitting there going, whoa. He's, he's mad. He's just yeah. rain man. He just doesn't stop. But, yeah, well and truly. Anyway, but, um, yeah, some, some great coaches that have gone through the shoot shield. Now, um, we're probably going to kill each other over this one, but we are going to try and dart around. A team of the decade. Oh, wow. So let's try think? and do it as quick as possible because we could sit here for hours because, God, there have been some good players. But before we do, what are we looking at here in terms of criteria? Because you've had players that are, you know, uh, Wallabies, internationals, all the way down to your local plumber. What's the criteria for a team of the decade for the shoot shield? I, I think we're talking iconic club players here. Like I'm not going to put a – a skeleton in or a, or a, you were. I don't know. I you was were. going to. You were. Yeah, because he was bloody good. He killed us. <laughs> and, and then we was... discussed it. But 
No, I've it can't, it can't be my thought. This is club rugby over the decade, no. right? So you're going to pick the best players that have played in that competition over 10 years. You're going to end up with a lot of Consistently. Consistently. Yeah. But it's about players who have probably done more of the ground, played more. They could have played Super Rugby as well, but they happen to have racked up. I mean, it'd be nice to have access to exact appearances. I've been mean, trying to track that down. But you, you, you're, playing, you're looking at guys who have played at least a couple of seasons, 20, 30 games in clubland. And, and being dominant forces for their clubs over that I time. Agree. So you're looking for longevity across 10 years. If you're going to pick the best fly half that played shoot shoot, you're probably going to pick Bernard Foley. But he didn't play that many shoot shoot yeah. games, right? So it's, yeah. it's about guys who have been in there at the coalface for as long a period of time as possible over that decade. Okay, well, we'll fire away, and we're going to start on you know the area that we probably know the littlest oh. about, and oh, all the yeah. props are going to just skip through the section or just turn us off and just forget us because yeah. we do not have any idea about what it takes to be a good loose head or a good tight head. I do know that the tight head is the most important position in the field. Having played in the halves, you want that right side of the scrum strong. But that's about all I know. From there, I'm lost. Have you got some props to consider for the team of the decade? I've got a million props to consider for that very reason. I've tried to, as much as possible, going through all the old bits and bobs I've got lying around rugby news and old things I've kept to try and keep to guys who have played as many as possible. We could, I mean, I think it'd be unfair to just give a 15 or even a 23. There's a lot of honourable mentions to give. There. And if you ask me this next week, it could be a different team. And, and again, so props, as we've said, not being our forte. Um, I mean, I had guys like Nick La, Offafanga, Nuku, uh, Kieran Longbottom, Rodney Blake, Tobias Cookie Bauer. I mean, good club player. Cookie Bauer played was captain. At, Rodney uh, Blake was a bloody good player. Yeah, yeah. Rodzilla. Offer, Offer, Offer was playing last year, wasn't he? And yeah, he was in and out. So he, he played a lot in the early 2010s. Great servant. Um, Celesi yeah. so Manu. I mean, there's, there's so many you could go forever. I, what I ended up with was guys that are. Thought it figured more often, maybe it's just my memory. So at loose head, I got Rory O'Connor because I think he's been dominant mm-hmm. for the last three years. Or he's, he's he's played in three grand finals, and he's on the he's been in and out of the Waratahs. And he's and again with without a knowledge of the scrummaging per se, you're looking maybe mm-hmm. we're looking more at their work around the park. He's probably one of the quickest props. He did a run last year. I think it was in the semi final. He took off about sixty yep. meters. I just he think did. as an athlete. He's yep. superb. Um, so I, I went with Rory O'Connor, but I could have had good manly cult. Uh, was he? Rory. Oh yeah, we yeah yes. yeah. Rory was I one of our own. That, so That's a, yeah, yeah, he was one of. He our disappeared own. at the train park, didn't he? He was yeah, big defector. But you're right. He was a he's a classic sort of a shoot shield player, and he sticks out for his running game. And uh, no, I'm I'm puzzled why he's not getting time at the Tars. Obviously, there's some good front rowers and some good yeah. young front rowers coming through. But I'm puzzled he's not quite got to that professional scene yet hopefully doesn't feel the european call coming because he is a wonderful player and i'm hoping he's going to go on a better and bigger things who well, else you got there mate well another guy i had as a mention who's just been crippled by injury was matt sandell because i remember when he came through at oh, uni yep. uh yep. chris malone saying he, he would play for the wallabies he was he was the best young loose head going around and it just had a horrific Horrific injury run while he was in the Tars. Came back and won a grand final with Uni a couple of years ago. Great story. Yep. Very consistent. Um, but he just he's had those injuries problems. And I just wonder what where he could have gone. He's still young, still got time. Just, again, consistency over mm-hmm. in Clubland. Yep. I think he's been one of the more dominant guys. Gookie Bauer mentioned. Uh, are we going to go to tight heads? Um, yeah. Before you do, just on yeah, up-and-coming yeah. props. And Australian rugby is one of the greatest, especially New South Wales, 
one of the great preachers of the next big thing in club rugby, but I genuinely believe Bell is going to be a superstar. Yeah. Well, we've seen – He's, just, I mean, he's to, just awesome. He's, he's already awesome. pushed out uh, Tom Robertson at the moment to get that started by a score to try at Bank West a couple of weeks ago when the Tars beat the Lions. Yeah, he's he, he looks, exciting. He looks to the man of born. Um, his he old does. man's a scrum coach. So yeah. he's obviously picked up a few things, chip off the old block, and he's, he's dynamic, he's – He's so tough, dynamic. he's quick, he's, uh, yeah. Everyone, again, uh, you look to, talk to Robert Taylor the last two years, he's had mm. high expectations for him ever since he first laid his eyes on him. So it's no, no, it's he, no surprise to terrific. see him kicking on, yeah. He does look terrific. Yeah, tight heads. I Paddy Ryan's hard to ignore. Well, I had Paddy Ryan, and I think he's played in, Paddy would tell me, he probably played in about five, five grand finals, I think. But again, was one of those guys that floated in and out of Super Rugby. So it's difficult to get a gauge because the first half of the decade, you've got a lot of guys where the comp was effectively split in two. The first half of the season, like you said, you had purely club. Second half was who you got coming back. So he featured in a lot of those, but probably still accrued enough to be considered. I, I had him in and around on the bench. I, I could swap either way. The other guy that came to mind there when you talked about the dominant manly pack in the early 2010s was John Owen, who I think had played at Ramwick yep. and then Cannon Manly. Yeah, he's a manly boy, luckily. Yeah. He did play at Ramick. He's been in and around. I think he's over in Perth now, but I'm not sure he's still playing. But, yeah, terrific player. Uh, and another There's guy. also uh, Timmy Fairbrother, but he was only there for a short time. I mean, uh, Robbie Dean's got Timmy Fairbrother over to hopefully be at Wallaby. It never quite kicked on, but an unbelievable prop. Just, yeah, just every time he was in this front row, it was yeah, scary how strong we were. But, yeah. No. You could talk a lot south about a. A, a, a conveyor yep. belt of props, We've got Dan Palmer and Nick Henderson, and uh, now you've got Matt Gibbon who's going on to, to, yeah, to great Gibbons. things. As well. He's really looking good. He's um, looking really good, Gibbon. Tim Metcher, Metcher, yep. and Duncan yep. Chubb, who I think has been Chubb, yep. there and thereabouts, had some time in the NRC with Melbourne Rising. So, again, mm. like I'm throwing out names without really pinning I mean, we haven't mentioned Rob Lagoody too. I yeah, mean, Rob Lagoody in recent years, yeah, yeah, he's kicked on big time. Yeah. I mean, Eastwood have had some terrific front rowers too, but um, that's probably about where our expertise end, doesn't it? <laughs> well, we've named about 30 players, so I think we've covered All right. Well, you're all in there, lads. Props are you know, they're very they're, – they're wonderful players. They don't I'm get too worried because they know they're not far away and there's always going to be an injury or two. So it's a good good culture the props have. Um, I'm going to start off with Hooker. I think there's yeah. two outstanding hookers for the decade, Latu and Hugh Roach. Latu, every time he played, just dominates. And Roach was just a ball of granite over the ball. And they just, throughout the dominant years of both those sides, they're always not far, far away. I think certainly most clubs were sort of hoping Tolu would be called in week before a pointy end game. And, you know, when he shows up, he just comes and dominates. And I think they also had Fahinga one year too. But those two hookers for me were just terrific. I mean, not to say they weren't good hookers. I mean, you know, Luke Holmes, Scott Podmore, Hilton Brand, all consistent hookers. And hookers seem to have a longer lifespan. They don't sort of check in and out. These guys do hang around for a fair bit. But um, yeah, I mean, there's been some some other really good hookers. Who do you have on your list? Again, I was I was splitting hairs. I mean, I, 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 I plumped for Luke Holmes for his longevity. Again, he's played, I yeah. think, at least three Super Rugby teams. Again, a guy who whenever club lane was available would, would 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 rock up and want to play for the rats oh bleeds green and white so and again Does has been around and he, and fulfilled that criteria yeah. of playing pretty much every year for those 10 years 
Um, yeah, and a big and part of Ringer's success, by the way. Hugely, uh, you know, hugely. Huge. You know, I talked Phil Parsons before, but Luke, uh, critical as general manager, unbelievable um, job up there. Other guys, you've got James Hilterbrand, uh, Benny Roberts used to be at uni, Damien Fitzpatrick, Nathan yep, Charles. Fitzy. And a guy who's actually Nicest guy in rugby, Fitzy. Fitzy, great fella, great fella. Um, there's a guy who you'll know well, I would imagine, who – Went quite far. He, he was there at the start of the decade, but he's now killing it in the premiership with Exeter as Elvis Tony. Yeah, Vissy's killing it. Yeah, he's been in a few good clubs. Yeah. Just so solid. Just, yeah, terrific. He could player. be on the verge of winning a premiership this year with Exeter. So uh, good work to him. He's been at the Chiefs for a while, I think, hasn't he? He, really, he wasn't in the back. game that much. He was in France, I think, for a while, but to, at the Chiefs at the moment, he's almost a starting hooker because. Uh, You've got Dave mm. Dennis there as well and Nick White, so there's a, a bit of an Australian connection to the Chiefs. Dave Dennis still playing? Yeah, yeah. He was captain. Oh. He got an injury. He was captain halfway through the season. Yeah, Dano's, Dano's still going. Loves Good it. Good on him. Yeah. Good on him. All right. Um, Locks. Into the second row. Okay. Again. Jared Barry was a perennial headache for Manly for many years and a lot of clubs. Just a huge human and a dominant player. I know he wasn't the fittest, but... God, he was when he was going forward. It was just just unstoppable, wrecking ball. Well, Who I've, else you got? I've got again in the honourable Ben Matwijau at North, yep. uh, who also played a bit of flanker as well. But uh, amazing specimen, and, and and really, I mean, he was just on the verge of getting his Super Rugby chance, and he picked yep. up a cruel injury in training, and that was that. Um, and he'd done the a- hard analytically yards, very gone. smart guy too very, very smart, smart athletically very good um, and I know Crono put a lot of time into him at Norse got him a chance over in New Zealand came back and played to yep. NRC and he was just on the yep. verge of getting a regular season with Western Force and freak training accident and there's your career gone so I feel sorry for, for Ben mm-hmm. um, Greg Peterson who's gone on to some he's going to be the, the great white hope for a while there but um, did some good stuff Caden yeah. Neville Two, yeah. two many guys there. Great to see Caden playing really well at the yeah. Brumbies at the moment. He's been a bit of a journeyman for a while and not quite getting some game time at some other franchises, but uh, he's going really well under you know Dan McKellar's regime down there, which is um, great. Phil Mavers was at Eastwood and East. Yep, East he was East Skipper in early 2010. Evan Olmstead, who was at Gordon, went to Parramatta and then has played, I think, two, the last two World Cups with Canada. So that's no mean feat. But the two I went with... I'll agree with you with Jared Barry because the people's champion, as he's known down at Milner, um, probably the most underused natural talent. Um, and he'd be the first to admit it that when he wasn't the best trainer, he didn't have the best physique to, to go on to the next level. If, if he'd ever honed that yeah. physique, to, to God, he could have been an absolute wrecking ball. Oh, yeah. And he did try a super rub and he's like, you know, wasn't for me. Um, but freakish ball skills, talent power, just hit like a hammer. Um, very, very good player, Jared Barry. I remember he, he was at Gordon when I first saw him, came through and just killed it at Eastwood. Also played a bit in the in the loose forwards as well, but uh, mostly second row. And I've got alongside him, arguably one of the toughest guys I saw uh, was Ed Gower, um, who I think had the unenviable record of playing something like seven, seven semi-finals in eight years or something like that with, with both Gordon. He was captain at Gordon then come over to Manly. He was. And never – I got to got to the big dance once, but he came off the bench because he – didn't he get married? He was <laughs> – well, he had to go to a wedding uh, in Scotland. He, he did get it. married yeah. in Scotland. He married a Scottish, lovely Scottish yes. lass. 
and he and, came uh, back and it was on the bench because he missed the now. finals. Yeah, he's a good yeah. man, Ed. But tough, tough as he's old houses. Tough as nails. One of the best blokes you've ever met, Ed. And I'm glad you nominated him. Um, I, I, um, I thought Sam Thompson's had a couple of terrific years oh, at yeah. Ringer. Yeah. Uh, very good player. Um, I, I think he, uh, yeah, he's not underrated. He's definitely rated now, but yeah, very good player. Connor Vest, too, recently had Connor some, Vest was some good years. But, last year. but yeah, when he's in Nick, he's just terrific. So a couple of more recent players. And, um, I think that's the thing I find. I'll probably show my age that my probably memory works better (laughs) the first half of the day. If we do this in five years' time, there'll probably be a few more players from the last Well, you're backloaded, I'm frontloaded, so I think it works well. (laughs) (laughs) But no, two good good nominees there for sure. Uh, Flankers, I'm going with my holy grail of flankers for the shoot shield. (laughs) I'm going um, Holloway 6, Parrot 7, Davidson 8. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, there's so I've many good breakaways, got, and Australian rugby just has so many good breakaways. But um, so does the shoot shield. Well, sorry, I had, I had David Hickey, who was a tough little oh, man yeah. from from uni. Katoni Ali, consistently yeah. oh, very, yeah. very good. Um, and and this is my decision, not yours. Younger brother Harry, I think, has been very consistent for a few years at, uh, at Manly. Boyd Killingworth, top try scorer one year. He was. Th- I was going to ask you about that, but yeah, we might come back to that. Yeah, I think got twenty-two tries. Driving Morse. Um, Andrew to Cox, it. nothing to it. At Parramatta, who played like a thousand games or something ridiculous. Cox is a great man. Uh, I think we'll give him one, a one of the out. great servants to the shoot shield. Andrew Cox, and now a referee. He's, he's yes, he's, yeah. Now, can I argue with you? Well, I've got. I couldn't decide between at seven. Parrot would obviously be the standout. Three grand finals to skip, but I'd also like to put in. One of my most favourite players. Is he a seven or a six, Parrot? Well, he, he was seven, but he did play, if he, interestingly, in the 2015 grand final, or maybe the 2014, he played six did and Hugh Roach played, played seven. seven. Yeah. yeah, he did. He did. He was just yeah. so good on the ball. It didn't matter. Um, so just to enable me to squeeze one of my favourite players in, which is Will Miller at seven, oh, yeah. I think it's just an absolute gun. And he's now really starting to look like the super rugby player most people always predicted he would be. I feel like he's finally hitting his straps at the professional level. I, I sort of, some games, wasn't so sure, but now he looks terrific. I think it's hard As to everyone seems to down at the Brumbies. It just comes down to coaching, doesn't it? <laughs> well, there's seems like thing. everyone that goes to the Brumbies is just turning into a good player. Like, there, are, there are a lot of players that have come through the shoot show, and this was a discussion we had off record. <laughs> um there's a lot of players that come through in the New South Wales competition that maybe don't get the perseverance required with the Waratahs and that transition and then end up going on yeah. to like an Eri yeah. Simone or an Andrew Kellaway or an Andrew Deegan that they suddenly re-emerge, yeah. the year to Bill Meeks, whatever it is, and they're killing oh, it yeah. somewhere else. And you kind of think, well, yeah. look, it was very difficult for Will to ask Michael Hooper. He ended up playing six a lot of the time at the Tars and they ended up with two on ballers. But I think he yeah. looks like he's stacked on a few kilos at the Brummies. He looks a bit more he thick does. set. Um, no, he looks really good. He won so, the catch pile in 2016. Yeah, he, he was just fantastic. So I'm going to squeeze Perrett in at three, Miller at seven, yeah. and I'm going Holloway, Jed Holloway at eight, because yeah, I reckon dominant. I've seen him play his best just footy at, at South at eight. Uh, when he first came through, like he took it to another level with his pace and his explosive combat, and that's something we unfortunately haven't, seen him uh, translate into Super. He just hasn't had the a long enough stint in the jersey. I wish he just someone is leaving that number eight jersey for half a season and watch him go because it's oh, just I think it was the one athlete. year was it 
2014, he was playing superbly for the Waratahs and got injured. I, he was wallaby bound, I reckon, yeah. that year because he just had that speed. And you're right, every time he plays for South, he's just a cut above the competition, like just a next level player. A couple of guys mentioned there Killingworth, very dependable seven at Ringa. Um, Brad Wilkin had a couple of big years yeah, at Uni. Yeah, yeah. again, injury. Uh, Musico, obviously, Parramatta won the catch pole, which has yeah. caught, caught a lot of people off guard. But yeah. well done to to Adrian for that awesome season that he obviously had. Um, I'll yeah, just quite I mean, there's a Tim Davidson there because Tim Davidson would be an oversight. My reasoning is that he led five grand finals in the previous decade and he retired on grand final day in 2013. So can't Tim, can't Tim. Can you just give us a couple more? <laughs> <laughs> and the only, thing, yeah. the only thing I remember about that was that uh, they did the timely uh, thing of getting him to take the um, the penalty kick after signing. They put fifty on Eastwood, and he shanked it. And I've never let him forget that. Oh, but yeah. Tim Davison, any other day, if you were doing the last twenty years, would be my starting. It was only the fact that I think he was probably more dominant the previous day with five grand final wins. And he finished in 2013 with two. So he's on the bench for me just because he didn't play for seven of those years. That's the only reason. Fair enough. All right. Well, terrific amount of great flankers and and still is. Seem to be flankers at every club all the time and not many second rowers and props I'm hearing, but we'll we'll push on. Um, Halfback. Well, competitive. Yeah. But for me, again, if you're talking longevity, there's only one, Josh Josh Holmes. He's 10 years of, of, I mean, like the amount of tries the guy gets for a scrum. He must have the record for most tries. I watched him playing Kayama last weekend. He's still playing. And you know he's going to show and go, but you can't do anything about it. He still scores. No, he still a, does it. He's a freak. He did start young, so I think we feel like he's older than he actually is, but he's probably, you know, probably a season or, or two away from, from going fishing. But uh, you're right, just so consistent, just so dependable. Um, Eastwood's had some good half. I mean, Nick White technically played a season, did he not? I mean, he was He did. He was amazing. in the 2009 final. He was I mean, when he, I saw him play. He Jesus, could kick it at mile too. Yeah, he could. Um, I mean, but then when – Jake yeah, Gordon has played now th- what, two or three years of uni, so he couldn't rule out uni. Although, interestingly, like in that uni grand final last year, it's sort of – that game was sort of on a knife edge, and when Phipps came on, he really sort of showed his experience, which is interesting. But um, you know, Matt Lucas, amazing halfback. Matty twenty fifteen was, was dominant that year. Um, yeah, and it was all on the back of Matt. I think. I mean, you know, he was the linchpin of the side. Um, Devet Ruse, Devet Ruse, I've got written down. It's fantastic. Now he's gone on to America. Mick Snowden. You mentioned at Eastwood Snowden. was in and around yep. for a lot of footy, in and out of Super Rugby. You got a lot of these guys that dipped in and yep. out of Clubland. Um, yeah, if it was if it was purely on total ability, possibly Jake Gordon would be tipping it. But again, that's he's probably played the last three, four. Josh Holmes has been consistently good for ten years, and probably been the best yeah. halfback that didn't. I mean, he played. He, he played. I think he did something like 30, 40 Super Rugby, maybe even more. He correct me, but. Just one guy you watch. I remember first watching the Tars when he came on as a substitute in about 2005, six, And they had Josh Valentine and Brett Sheehan. Like, this guy's the best. And he went to the Brumbies. I don't know why. He just seemed to have moved around and not quite, again, like Holloway. Maybe just not got that, that chance. He wanted to be in clubland. Just dominates. Even to the I mean, athletic we talked about before. He went for a season or two at Eastwood and played number 12. <laughs> He You're was, not meant he, to talk about that. Well, he might want to. I don't know, but 
but what an athlete to just switch because you because I think Sheen was. Well, he had a couple of really good years in the centres at Ringer, I think, uh, early to you know twenty tens. But yeah, amazing athlete and uh, just still going. Doesn't seem to be showing yeah, any sort of forty seven years old and still playing. Good on you, Josh. He's not that old. Anyway, <laughs> terrific player, and like you said, I think fits the bill of where we're going with this team. Um, number ten, um, also hotly contested. Tough, tough, uh, tough, tough, tough. Tough. Uni sort of floated in and out with their tens. I mean, you had Barnes winning it. You, I don't think did Foley win it. Um, yeah, Dunbar sort of chopped and changed a bit. Where other sides a bit more consistent. Obviously, Jai Ayub. I mean, Hollow won the first one at Eastern, but Ayub won a couple and. Moved from west, moved from west, did he? Not south, west. He was at West Harbour, then he actually had a season at Ranwick. And then, Ranwick, that's yeah, right. Yeah, then he sort of disappeared for a bit and came back to Eastwood and was in second grade. He, mm. He's got a very interesting story that, that I yeah. did on Behind the Rock, if I can put a promo in there, but check it out if you want to read about yeah, the yeah, story of Jayu. But uh, yeah. he was going to be, he had so much put into him as the next best thing when he came through. There was an, yeah. an awful lot of pressure. Moved to Ranwick, yeah. didn't quite work out for him. And he said he kind of lost his love for the game. He came and played at Eastwood and he said the, the, the best season he ever had was the season he played in twos at, Ram, at, at Eastwood because he said, mm-hmm. I just enjoyed my footy. Go. But off the back of that, Pierre Ollard got an injury, I think it was 2012-13, and he came in and gradually just clicked, had a great game. It was a TV game. And then he goes on leads and round in 2014. I think he got man of the match in 2014 grand final and then he kicked the winning penalty in the 2015 grand final. So... Um, for me, drop it's going to be drop it, goal. It drop goal. Sorry, yeah, okay. Drop so goal, mate. Yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. number ten. Is is it two grand final wins versus three Ken Catchpole medals for Hamish Angus? That's yeah, it. it's it's a, it's a it's a two cowboy shootout. Angus and AU. I I I always thought Jai because he tormented us so much. Just the way he took the line on so well it was pass, pass, pass. Then he'd just go bang, and you know had the. So I sat in the pocket, had a great kicking game, great vision. He always did have great options around him. Hamish, obviously a player known well. I mean, watched him for a long, long time. Or you know, as a, as a manly, you know, person, you you get to watch Ringer players probably a little bit more closely. And was sort of a, a player that was there in the early period of Ringer. Probably you know was was on the better hand of some shellackings from Manly, but grew and grew and grew by the time. He entered his premiership years. He was a, a match winner. And, you know, I think the three catchpole medals, although, I don't know, you and I have a theory on this catchpole medal, and I've told Hamish about this, is, you know, they generally give it to the nice bloke. When you're, when you're saying yes, sir, no, sir, can I, you know, talk nicely to you, sir? I mean, Hamish is just going to win that every time. So He is Mr. But, nice Guy, but he's a tremendous player. He's a tremendous and he, and he, player. And he, he is, and he turned into... That killer, he got that killer instinct that all good playmakers want. That that Tom Brady, for lack of a better example, type you know down the down the clutch moments, kicked all the goals that mattered. You knew how to squeeze teams and just became a tremendous player. I mean, oh, it's hard to hard. I can't split him. I mean, I can't split him. Well, it's the only one I've put a dash I between. The, third the only thing I could say, but then that changes things. Is Hamo did play a lot at fifteen when he first started out. Whereas Josh yeah. pretty much always played at 10. So you could slot him in at 15 if you want to get both in the side. But yeah. uh, just probably just the best out game to... managers that we've seen. Oh, for sure, years. for sure. I mean, other good 10s around. I mean, Sam Lane, terrific player, dog with a few injuries. Yeah. Um, uh really good 10. Um, ben Volavola. Yeah, th- Volavola sort of years in and out as well, 15, mm. 10. But, yeah, 
ter- terrific. Dave Harvey terrific at the start of the, the start of the year. He was dominant from about 2007 to 2012. Dave Harvey was just a points machine for. Yeah, for and um, Angus Sinclair for a couple yep. of years under Crony was really, really, really good. Um, yeah, but I think you're right. I mean, those two are the, the two front runners for sure. So we'll move on. Um, we'll go centres because that's a natural step. I did have wingers out for some reason. My, I'm going to start this off the bat. Being a former inside back, when I put on too much weight, uh, the number twelve of the decade, it can only be one. Uh, Tom Carter. I Alarm think. bells ring around Clubland, but it has to yeah, be. Yeah, I so. know. It has to it be has so. To be, it has um, to be so. Unfortunately, five grand Not unfortunately, finals. Tom is a good guy. He's a top uh, bloke. He is a top bloke. He's just very, very passionate, and um, takes a lot of people to realise that when you start talking to him in and around the football field. But he was just just so driven to win and loved his club behind him. Tom Hill was such a consistent player at Eastwood, like yeah. such a good athlete and seeming like a real good bloke to it. Those sorts of, I mean, Simone, um, I don't, he had that unbelievable season um, under, under Cronny for a team that was so sort of, it seemed like it so organized. He was that real variance in the side. And mm. I think at the moment he, he looks destined for, for Wallaby action, if I'm Dave Rennie looking at this kid, I just think he's it's time. His surely. kicking game I hope it is. has gone up another level. And again, game management, just so. that ability, yeah. the, the touch finder when they're under pressure. Um, yep. Very silky but I skills. Had, so, so those guys and sort of inside backs and might as well talk 13s. Henry Siavula, that was a serious player. Wow, West Harbour. He was a serious player. Like, unplayable some games. He was that good. Hmm. Um Apo, really good. Then I get 13s. Um, McDougall was a real linchpin for Eastwood. Yep. Then you've got um, more recently, Seb Wildman's had some unbelievable seasons of yep. play. I don't yep. know why he – I mean, he did have a little stint there at Queensland, but for one reason or another, should should be playing Super Rugby. I just think if he had that, the tools to compete at that level, he could because he's just dominated shoot shield. Pilly Gitau at Manly's had some terrific oh, seasons from about 2015 yeah. onwards. I think um, Seb and Dennis's games are worth the price of admission in a derby. They just really sort of cancel each other out. It was such a good watch, those two going at each other. But, yeah, I mean, are we missing anyone here in the centres? Uh, probably. Well, I've gone Carter 12, obviously. Five grand yeah. finals, three wins, 13. I mean, Hill was nominally a 12, could play 13. Actually played 10 and 15 we came through at Gordon as well. But yeah, I Tommy Hill I really like, two grand finals. I've, yep. I've kind of split him with Apo. I think Apo Latunipulu is another guy who is consistently fantastic but hasn't got the chance at the next level. Billy Meeks, uh, 2013, when he first came through, I should have, thought should have got a Waratahs contract. He was a fantastic player. Tom Matthews was a guy who played alongside Tom Hill at Gordon um, early mm. 2010s. Tim Bennett's. Mm. Um, Sione Pucar Tim, Bennett's, yeah. Tim yeah. Bennett's terrific player yeah really good and Jesse Liotta from Parramatta scored a badge load of try and he played full back wing centre did some of his best stuff Anton Levin at Easts was a very oh, consistent player, player. Um, yeah. Michael Hodge at uni mm-hmm. um, Rory Sidey Reese Hodge had a good year in uh, 2015 Reese Hodge, yeah. Hodge. Uh, um, only the one year then straight into sort of and I got a guy I'll give a shout out to as an anomaly, Luke Smart at Stouts, because he started yes. off playing. He played, I think he's played second row. He's played flanker for about certainly half, at least half his career. And at some point, he decided he'll have a run out the back, and he shifted to inside centre wing, and he was scoring like 15, 20 tries a season. And went on to play at NRC, 
that's a seriously undervalued player to have, have nailed down almost three different positions across a 10-year career. Mm. I really like Smarty. Yeah. Well, that's probably the centre's wrapped up. Who are we going now? It's got to be Carter at 12. and Yeah. McDougall was so consistent, wasn't he? At well, the Hill, the, the uh, centre's a lot. Yeah, that real 1% of that in right? that Conrad Smith, you know, that just, just didn't make mistakes but just wasn't particularly spectacular but just – Knew those one percenters, and that's such an you know important position defensively. And yeah, anyway, great players there. We'll jump into the wingers, and there's been some amazing wingers. I got a jack in the box, Balakana Gordon. Yeah, one year wonder. Un- oh, but how good was that year? Oh, twenty two tries. Unbelievable, Un- yeah. just awesome, and really exciting. James Dargaville, terrific yeah. player. Good to see him playing so- the Sun Wolves now. Yeah, big handful. Um, Alex Northam, Manly. Yeah, uh, Just probably the fastest player I've seen. I'm biased. I know I'm biased. I do apologise for my Manly bias, but just super quick. I felt he was one player that maybe just missed that trick. I felt watching Hodgie and Hooper in that era come through the club and juniors, Alex was the star, but maybe just didn't get that break. But he's uh, having a year off next year, getting his groin right. But um, amazing player back in the day. Uh, Richie Wolf, I think, has had yep. some unbelievable seasons. Going to East next year, I'm surprised by that. Anyway, well, that'll be on ins and outs, won't it? Yeah, some of the ins and outs. Well, we've got a few more conversations to have. Harry Jones, now, Harry Jones, Harry 2017, Jones. awesome. Um, Another one that that's got unbridled talent and just hasn't got that chance at the next level yet. Whether it will come back yep. again, I don't know. Maybe just a few bad injuries at the wrong time, but just seemed to have everything he needed. I mean, he's a big lad when he came from him. Watching him, he's about eighteen. Yeah, at Concord Oval, come through, and he looked like a twenty-five, twenty-six-year-old ready-made professional player. His physique was phenomenal. Wingers, um, wingers, generally the top. At top level, shortest lifespan in terms of career. You're looking at a four or five year bang. You got that power, that speed, and it seems to desert it. That's why the most capped All Black wingers are about that fifty-five test mark because they just don't yeah, get much more. Just turf in for the next next set of wheels. Um, Cam Clark did play a lot. I know he's a super player, but he played a fair whack at Norse. And I just—he's such an underrated player, proper winger. I'm talking—I'm talking professional rugby now. Mm. I just feel like he can't get a look you know, in. A minute. Can't get a look in. Pakalani, absolute yeah. handful. South. Who else I you got? got? Who uh, I missed? Well, honourable mention: I had Pakalani, Nathan Trist. Um, oh, yeah. Scored a lot of tries for Union. Again, probably a lot of them came in the previous decade. A guy that I really, really, really liked. Uh, when he came through, and again, probably had one good season at the Waratahs, moved to the Rebels, had a terrible injury time, and just sort of drifted away, played sevens, or was Tom Kingston. Um, yep. He was lightning. Manly Jr. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Lost one to the dark side. Oops. Anyway, um, all good. But phenomenally quick, but he, he mostly played on the wing. But he came back, didn't play for a while, had terrible injury problems, and then 20... Blah, 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 13, was it? Do me think. What was the first year... It would have been 2013, I think, when Chris Malone was coach and he played him at fullback for the second half of the season. And he was absolutely phenomenal from fullback for half a season. It was just, it was just brilliant. Um, Cam Crawford 
was another guy who played on the wing. I had him at 15. Yeah, well, I've, was, I've got him as a possible 15, so he, he, he played was, both. His seasons before his super stint were unbelievable. He yeah. was terrific. A lot of tries. Just so quick, so many tries, just very, very impressive. I had him at fullback, though. Anyone okay. else on the I, wing? No, well, I, if I was putting two in, I would, yeah. go, I would go Harry Jones. Mm. And I've got John Grant because John Grant was the top try scorer in the Shoot Shield in 2010 and 2011. Went away to, to rugby league for a couple of years, came back and was the second top scorer in 2015. Scored something like 65 tries in those three years. Mm. Was mm. was an absolute specimen. Like very tall, very rangy. But when he's pinned the ears back, like, there was no catching him. He was just he was gone. Um, and was a was a big uh, player for Eastwood in that, uh, that 2011 side. So. I think just on pure, oh, if, you, if you want your wings to score yeah. tries, John Grant's going to get you 20 a season every season. Yeah, hard to argue. I mean, Harry Jones, when he was fit, fast, and 2017 was just, just terrific. Wolfie would be close. Wolfie's in there maybe, too, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah he can't be far behind. He had those last couple of years, he was just playing some amazing footy. Another player, I thought, maybe looking at, at professional gigs, but not to be so far. Um, fullback? I think we might agree on this one. Um, really? Well, for me, again, if he's played, I think he was involved in at least three of the grand finals of the four that he's in. Um, probably only oh, about yeah. two or three Super Rugby Caps with the Bromwich or Rotars. Ben Batcher. We'll Absolute agree, for point, sure. points machine. Yep. Um, yep. Eastwood coach these days. Eastwood coach, but very, very smart and very highly regarded by the players that played alongside. If you watched Batch play at the time, and people laugh. I remember when I interviewed Jai last year, he would say it was like having a coach on the team, on, on the pitch. He's never bloody shut up. But his reading of the game yeah. from the back and his intellectual property of what he was telling the guys and orchestrating that back line, now you're starting to see that. He, I think he was probably always going to be a coach. Um, yeah. Very, very, very smart player. Um, not, I mean, quick. Not the quickest, but, but quick enough. But um, very good kicking game. Took a, took a lot of penalties, a lot of conversions, very good kicker. Had a good Super Rugby stint too. Well, he, he, he didn't really get a chance. He was at the Brumbies and the Rytars and he only had yeah. like three or four caps and it never quite got that breakthrough. But uh, Go on. Did I just call him a career? He didn't have three caps. Is that all I'm, he got? I'm pretty sure. It wasn't many, yeah. yeah. Maybe, it was, mm. maybe it was a couple more than that. Because uh, I, I did a piece on him a couple of years ago when he broke the Eastwood points record. Um, it was that mean. I think they couldn't actually – Directly tell exactly how many got, but it was it was a huge amount. Um, My uh, first recollection of Batcher was actually at St Joseph's College. Kings played Joey's for the GPS decider. Joey's were up twenty one nil, and then Batcher scored twenty six points to win the title. Yeah. I was there. It was amazing. Yeah, it was, and then just had a, a terrific, terrific career from there, and, and now promising coaching career. We think so. Well done to Ben, and that's that's the team of the decade. We have to keep moving here because people will be falling asleep well, soon. They, they went a long time ago, mate. It's just, it's just you and me, mate. This is fine. If you're still hanging um, with us out there, listening to this podcast, you are an absolute tragic <laughs> dork like we are. Well, but I reckon there'll be a few. There'll be a few. There'll be a few Don't falling worry. asleep at the world now. Can I just Don't give a mention worry. there? Honourable mentions, Dave Felchier. It was one of when he was flying, like the flying Felchier was was a sight to behold. But did some brilliant. Stuff I have Felch on my list, and I'm I feel bad that I didn't give him a shout yeah, out. Yeah, come on, got to mention. He has Felchie. agreed to co-host every now and again this season. The Felch, so you're getting rid of me already. That's great. One show. 
<laughs> well, I need Good a draw job. card. Okay, thanks. No, no, not yeah. at all. No, 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 maybe co-co-host. I'm sure Felt you do a better job. You already told me you're heading off. Yeah, no, so. no, no, that's good. That's good. No, Lionel, I need to work on my option. Um, good guy another, and, a, and a huge club rugby enthusiast. So Another guy I'll give a shout-out to because he played well, – uh, he actually pulled on three different jerseys. I think he was part of – started at West Harbour, played at Eastwood, now at Warringah, Liam Winden. Winden. I think he's an, yeah. an underrated player. He might, I'm sure he played at Ramwick for a season. I can't remember. He might have played for 14. But uh, I'll give a shout-out to Winden as well. He's been around for 10 years and some pretty yeah, good football. tall, deceptively quick and awkward. Difficult guy to yeah. defend. He's um, – yeah, and very talented. No, I agree. Good player. Yeah. All right. Um, mate, that's pretty cool. We've, we've said enough. We've probably said half the competition yeah. there, but we try to cover all bases, right? And it's highly subjective. I've seen some of those team of the decades through the clubs, and there's just de- ra- raging debate galore, and we're yeah. raging it, man, with some of our selections. but So hopefully not too many people have tuned out. But we'll just quickly cap that off. Who's your player of the decade? Yeah. Uh, I think, I think if you go through leadership qualities and the fact they're in four grand finals and won those grand finals at a time when they were competing against a Sydney Uni side that um, were able to call upon a huge amount of talent, I think you'd probably give it to Hugh Perrett. Mm-hmm. I think for, for those... It has to be. Yeah. Right? I think to be captain to four grand finals, four minor premierships... Um, I think I'll give that to Hugh Perrett. Yeah, he's my Mr. Shoot Shield for the decade for sure. I think uh, every club looked at him with admiration as a terrific leader and seemingly just a, a wonderful guy that just had a real love of his club and a love for rugby and just took it so seriously. And that was great. I mean, he was just, he was awesome. I and mean, obviously, backbone of, of Easter when they won it. I mean, Tim Davidson and Tom Carter probably in behind and probably more recently. People like Hamish Angus, probably in that sort of players that dominate. I mean, you can't ignore Hamish. He did win three, three catch, catch poles, yeah. Three yeah. catch poles. I mean, three grand finals. They did win one. But, but he, would yeah, sw- think, he would have swapped that for three grand final wins, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think anyone would. Yeah. Anyone would. Um, but, yeah, I think Davidson and, and obviously Tom Carter, um, players that stick out just as the dominant forces in the competition for, for that period. I think Carter, five grand finals. Maybe Paddy Ryan matched that. Maybe I'm trying to look at who who played in all five. But Carter's five grand finals, three wins, and like you said before, just the, the freak of nature that he was, and the guy that you have a beer with, and the guy that crosses the white line are two completely different animals. They um, are, and hopefully that that might be a podcast issue. We get Tom on. All right, uh, we'll just finish this off. What was your? I mean, I put this call out as who won the decade. Could be anyone. Sydney Uni. Simon Cron, John Manetti. What was your what was your biggest takeaway from twenty seven? Biggest moment? What was just it? I'll give you mine. It was the move to North Sydney. Over. <laughs> ditto. I would it say just ditto. was. It was because it was, yeah, it, it just took it to another level. It was just took it the, to seeing level. the crowds there when they were. I mean, there were so many arguments about the crowd. Was it fifteen? Was it twenty? Whatever. Those two jammed, years when North were there for the first time in donkey's years. And they won, yep. and the rats the next year with the emotion out in the hill, yep. he's feeling the hill all day. And third grade got up against your boys, sorry about that. But the, the emotion that was driven to it, you could feel it, it was like sizzling. It was. And when you're it up in the powerful. tower looking down, and just this throng of people at the same time when the Waratahs crowds were dwindling, there was like a, 
a, fa- a sort of lack of faith in the Wallabies and Super and everything else. And all of a sudden, it just, oh, rugby. This is great. This is, we've got this. We need to harness this. This is fantastic. Mm. Um, that was, was. It was just special. a jaw-dropping moment to be there for those two years in particular. I mean, the third one was Sydney in Ring of the Year after was no great shakes either. It was fantastic. But yeah, and I think I think it just displayed what um, you know rugby Australia is looking for, which is tribalism. You can't have it. It's ours because it comes through these clubs and and these people and and these communities and different sort of a thing it's it goes back to that amateur professional thing which is i'm very cautious about where we're going but you know it's yeah it was just magnificent hopefully um we now get on and and kick on with it so cookie we've done it it's a marathon it's a deep dive mate thank you for doing that with me i really enjoyed it and i think we can only hope that um next decade's just as colorful yeah well that's that's the hope is, is to kick on and uh we, get, we find more stories and, like you said, more tribalism. And, and it seems to be we're, we're at a good place now and we see the changeovers happening with Rugby Australia taking over the competition and mm. hopefully the TV and it, everything it just keeps growing, keeps growing, keeps growing. And um, I don't think that'll ever, ever dwindle because of the history involved with each club. And it's just a it's a fantastic thing to, to be a part of, to watch, to write about, to meet people in it. It's just a, it's a diamond product and long may it continue. Here, here. All right. Well, Cookie and I will join you hopefully in a few weeks' time, but that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll see you around the traps. Thank you.